Bringing Clarity to the Term Christian, Part 15. A Christian is a person who is aware of the sin in his own life and seeks personal holiness through confession of sin, repentance, growing in the understanding of God's Word, and learning to be led by the Holy Spirit in his everyday life. Welcome again to Powerful God Practical Faith. I am your host, Daniel Cody. In this blog, I want to continue this theme we began last time as it relates to the reverence for God and our response to His holiness. In our last discussion, we talked about the importance of who God is and for the Christian, how important it is to have a heart and posture of awe, reverence, and worship. During the end of our last blog, we also referenced a passage from the book of Isaiah, which will be the springboard to our 11th statement in this series. In the book of Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah makes this statement when he found himself in the presence of the Lord God. He says in verse 5, Woe to me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. If you remember from our last blog, we recognized that unclean lips were a representation of being a sinner. This meant that being in the presence of a holy God, we were unworthy, unholy, vile, and wretched, with no righteous answer we could give with our lips. This understanding of the majesty and holiness of God leads us to our next statement. Statement 11 says, A Christian is a person who is aware of the sin in his own life and seeks personal holiness through confession of sin, repentance, growing in the understanding of God's Word, and learning to be led by the Holy Spirit in his everyday life. Now there is much to discuss regarding this statement because it highlights the active response of the believer who has been in the presence of God, meaning one who has genuinely received the gift of salvation through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. To begin, we see the first part of statement 11 says that a Christian is one who is aware of the sin in his own life. Now, what does it mean to be aware of sin in your life? Does it mean that you are simply cognitively aware that you sin from time to time? Is it just an inevitable state of imperfection that you have come to terms with? If this is how we define being aware of our sin, I think the Holy Scriptures would definitely differ with us. For the Christian, being aware of our sin means to actually see it for what it is in you and what it does to you. Sin is an ever-present enemy within us that only produces death and destruction. Paul the Apostle, the one you have heard from frequently in this blog series, expresses this awareness of sin in a very succinct but profound way. Listen to his words in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, 
sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now if this is not an extremely accurate description of the Christian's experience with respect to sin, I would be hard pressed to find something else that is. Paul very plainly explains the experience each Christian has or will have on this earth while still housed in his yet unredeemed human body. In this passage, Paul immediately identifies the opposing influence within us. This internal opposer, Paul calls the inner being. This regenerated spirit that was not previously there until after the Christian placed faith in Christ and the truth teller, the Holy Spirit, gave him new life and a new desire for righteous living. Paul says initially that the law is spiritual, but he is not. He says that he is unspiritual, carnal, fleshly, and subject to sinful activity. Is not this exactly who we are? The Christian understands that even though he has been born again to a new life in Christ, this propensity toward unrighteous behavior looms strong while still living in this yet unrenewed body. Paul then goes on to explain the dichotomy, contradiction, and struggle that stirs up in the believer whenever he is challenged by God's law. Paul says in verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. How interesting is it for Paul to make this statement? Paul one of the most influential apostles in New Testament history, the major writer used by God the Holy Spirit to write the majority of the New Testament. A reputable student of the law says essentially, listen to me brothers and sisters of Rome, when it comes to actually doing what is righteous, I don't even understand me. The dilemma that Paul faces as well as every Christian is that he finds himself doing the very thing that he hates. He gravitates toward those things that he does not want to do. Now how can we do what we don't want to do 
it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, does it? Many of us would say to Paul, of course you wanted to do it. That's why you did. Well, this would be correct if Paul did not clarify who the I was that did not want to do good. In verse 16 through 17, Paul says, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. Paul here is making a distinction between himself and himself. This sounds confusing, but when you view this within the context of one's self-awareness of sin, it becomes clear. Paul, first of all, says that if he does what he does not want to do, he agrees with the goodness of the law of God. Why? Because what he does not want to do is the same thing the law of God prohibits. God is simply saying that his heart is actually consistent with God's word. His heart is in the right place. I would also add here that Paul's heart is in the right place because he had an encounter with the risen Savior who changed his heart through the realization of who Jesus is and the truth of the gospel. This is the heart of the redeemed Paul, the spiritually born-again Paul, the true Paul. But then Paul also goes on to explain those things that are not consistent with God's word, the things that he desires not to do, Paul says, paraphrasing, I will go ahead and do those things. Now what is it that prompts the obvious contradiction in Paul? It is sin living in him. The Christian must first of all be conscious of the fact that sin lives within him. This does not mean that he actively seeks to sin or that he even anticipates enjoyment from it. The Christian does, however, recognize that the sinful nature is still present, waiting to be activated at any moment, if unchecked by his submission to the Holy Spirit and his desire for holiness, which leads us to our second point. The Christian is or should be known for his desire for personal holiness and should be in constant pursuit of it. This holiness is not pursued because of some legalistic piety or need for moral superiority. It comes from a deep need to be like Christ because of love for who he is and what he has done in bringing about the Christian salvation and spiritual life. Holiness is also a command. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says in his first letter. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1, 14-15 The desire for holiness will deter the activity of sin in the life of a true Christian. Now holiness is developed and preserved in the life of the Christian as he continuously confesses and repents of the sin in his own life. The Christian will recognize that becoming holy is a process. It does not happen instantaneously. 
but it should be ever increasing in his or her life. In the book of 1 John, the apostle tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 What an extraordinary truth. The apostle tells us that if we confess our sins, which if you remember from our previous blog post means hamlageto, to say the same thing, or to say the same thing God says about your sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive them. John is telling us that if we are consistently acknowledging our sins to God, agreeing with him that they are in fact sin, God can be continually counted on having the perfect righteousness necessary to both forgive you and cleanse you of your unrighteous deed. And why does he do this? To make you holy. This is God's ongoing loving process whereby through the work of the Holy Spirit, he graciously and consistently makes us aware of our sin, which results in our longing to confess and turn away from them in repentance and replace sin with obedience. This is how God creates righteousness in us, sanctifies us, makes us holy. The Christian is also a person who has a longing to know God's word and to be led by the Spirit of God day by day. The congruency between knowing God's word and being led by His Spirit is unquestionable. In the Holy Scriptures, a great deal of emphasis is placed on the necessity of understanding, relying on, and doing what God says. The Christian recognizes that the Word of God is the source for Christian truth and that understanding it properly is essential for the life of one who genuinely believes. The Holy Scriptures, God's Word, is God speaking. Finally, the Christian ought to be ever seeking to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now being led by the Spirit of God has been defined many ways by many people. Some define it as a very mystical experience where they feel that the Holy Spirit is almost audibly speaking to them and telling them directly where to go, what to do, and what to say. Understanding that God the Holy Spirit could lead someone in this manner if He wanted to, in most cases, how He leads us is much more practical, even less eventful, but no less powerful or effective. Amid the backdrop of the early church and the miraculous activities of the Holy Spirit occurring during this time, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, does not emphasize the miraculous. Paul rather encourages the believers in his day with these words. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 Walk by the Spirit, Paul says. What does it mean? Simply put, walking by the Spirit is submitting to the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life by consistently being obedient to the Word of Christ that the Holy Spirit enables you to come to know and understand. When Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit's activity, he says this, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, 
and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. John 16, 15 and 16. The Christian learns to be holy when he, day by day, listens and heeds to the Holy Spirit of God, directing him to be like Christ in all facets of his life. This yielding to the Holy Spirit should be the pursuit of all of us who are Christians. Well, there's more to come in this series. Please come back for part 16 of Bringing Clarity to the Term Christian. I'm your host, Daniel Cody. Thank you for listening. See you next time. And God bless.